ready. Yes. Good morning. It's working. Morning. Go ahead. Yeah, that's fine. Go back to the percentage. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Okay. We've got to be glad to give you one. Should I pull up Dak? No, nice. Dak, did I touch this? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Wait, how do I do that thing? Don't you like to do this? You like touch that and that uh, sometimes, so no. You don't have the other thing on there. What? You didn't do the Bible thing, so you're gonna have to get this and hit it and then move it as soon as you get rid of that. We'll mention a couple of things here before we get started. Number one, PBS starts next Sunday night. We from Thursday, Thursday, Monday through Thursday. Next week, uh, no, we're doing it right, right this time. Doing what? We're doing it right this time. Yeah. After we've done the lobby, that starts next Sunday night. I'm going to share something with you. A couple of things that happened this week at the Bartlett campus, but very much involves us as well. Just a couple of really very encouraging things for our church. As you know, we do the health group every third Saturday of the month. We give away clothes and food, and, and many of you have been involved in that, whether you're pushing baskets or you're uh, handing out food or you're upstairs doing clothes. It's a crazy day. And this week, Chris Ellison, who runs all of that and makes it all happen, we well, got a little note. He gets notes and send phone calls from time to time. He gets tons of complaints all the time about different things in California and other areas. We got a note from the mail this week, and I wanted to just read you the note as somebody who's part of Christ Church, specifically in relation to the health group. And I won't give the lady's name, even though we don't know her, someone might. Many thanks to each of you that participates in this monthly project from at the health group. I'm sure every recipient of the food and clothes feels the same as I do. You're a very caring group of people. There should be a world full of Christians like you. Thanks again in Christian love. That seems simple and not much to it, but if you go, particularly if you've never done it, and I know for some of us it's stepping out of our comfort zone, for me, it's just who I am, but for many people, it's difficult. We go through there and just push a basket through the food line with somebody you've never met. They're essentially because they need food. Or go upstairs and just be there, people up there, and they're so thrilled to get the clothes again. And they're nice clothes. And just talk to people. Or go through the line with them and find out who they are, what's going on in their lives, and they're getting the food, and walk out to their car, have them loaded into their car. And sometimes you can pray with them. And one of the things I was so thrilled about, we had one of our elders also got a phone call from a lady last night, specifically saying the following. A young man, he's talking about a teenager or college age student, made me feel so good at the help group yesterday or today. He rolled, not only did he go to the line and roll my food out to the car and load it into my car, I'm getting ready to get the party to he said, by the way, is there any way I can pray for you? And 
And we just stopped right there and prayed for me. And it meant so much that he cared enough about me as a teenager or a young adult. You don't normally think they would do that. And one of the things I did yesterday is I went out in the parking lot making sure all the shade trees were working properly. <laughs> <laughs> Someone has to do those kind of things. So I went around and I was checking out the different shade trees and making sure that each was putting up the proper amount of shade and there was no issues. Because also, one of the reasons I was out there too was to watch people, particularly we had some children out there, I'm talking about 10, 12 year old children, pushing baskets to cars. And we have uh, Memphis City Police provides them. And we also, I tried to have somebody out there just on the parking lot, just walking around. So I'm out there yesterday just watching, and I was so encouraged by children. I'm talking about 10 year old, 12 year old, talking to adults that they never met, going to the car with them, and then I listened as a 12 year old girl. I just happen to know who she is, know her really well. A 12 year old girl stops every, every time, and I heard her once close enough, and said, how can I pray for you? And then specifically, and the lady said, what do you mean? Because there's specifically something going on. She said, you have specific prayer requests. It's a 12-year-old girl. I can pray for you. And the lady said, no, I don't really have any. She goes, well, I want to pray for you. Is there anything? And I watched. And before they were through, they were praying for each other, hugging each other, and they were crying together. There's a message there. The message is, particular day like Father's Day, is what we do as fathers, grandfathers, as adults. What's going on across the hall, and what goes on the first hour across the street, and in the rooms around the building, and Bartlett, that what we do matters more than anything else we can do in discipling your children, my grandchildren. Uh, the kids, you may just go out to camp this week, just hanging out out there for a couple of hours and just watching how special those old, you know, I walk into the lunchroom and I hear kids ringing out, Pastor Randy, Coach Randy, and who's Randy? <laughs> so then we got in the parking lot and we're shooting horses. Of course, I had to do all the horses. Even, but you know, you got to do what you got to do. Some people are But to just watch our adults, mainly with those kids, watch. How special those lives are, it matters. And as we think about like being a father, you think about being a mother, just being a parent, being a Christian grandparent. The one of the calls for a grandparent is you are required by law, and most of you know if you're not a grandparent, you can probably write it down if you don't make a mistake. When you have grandchildren, you have to give your grandchildren anything you want. Isn't that true? Those of us that are grandfather, you just give them whatever they want because it ain't so common. <laughs> it's your daughter's problem. Or it's your son's problem. You know, you did the best you could. It's not your fault, they're not your parents. <laughs> you gotta you gotta give your grandkids anything they want. So they'll think you're just the coolest thing in the world. I'll give you a quick little story that happened this week and then we'll get into today's message. Oh, My son, the little three year old daughter named, uh, named Lydia. <laughs> <laughs> so you know how we're going to be eating things, either a wife, we take a wet paper and have wipe her hands off, we wipe her mouth off, and make sure that you know, they're not looking around the field, they're not sitting there. 
So, I taught her this week. She finished eating what she was eating. I said, come in and bring wash your hands off. She comes over there and I'll tell you what. I said, okay, yeah, I'm going to teach you something. You wipe your hands off. Go like this. I wipe your mouth off. I said, now, for the rest of your life, anytime you get your mouth off, you need to say the following. I love Randy. I love Randy. I love Randy. So now, she just did it. Now, if you come, she did it. Like Mary might be wiping her mouth off. I love Randy. I love Randy. There you go. So she says, What if mommy or daddy or Randy? I said, No, they're not. He's wiping your mouth off. You say, I love Randy. Alright. Turn to Mark chapter 7. We've been looking at Jesus trying to get these massive crowds of following him, and Pharisees have come to encounter him, challenge him. He's wanting the followers to understand. I don't want you to be hypocritical, legalistic, like the Pharisees. I want you to be holy. I want you to be set apart unto God. I want you to understand there's a difference between their religion, which is all about man's self-righteousness, and what God wants for you, which is holiness. He even said, commanded, be ye holy, Peter writes it, be ye holy, because I, God, am holy. Set apart, secret. For us, it's to be unto God. He is set apart because he is holiness. We are to be like him because we are his children. We want to be set apart unto him. So if you look at number one and number two on your handout, we've covered these already. I just want to set the stage leading into what we're talking about today. The more Jesus comes confronted with the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and their legalism. And we notice how they love other legalists. They like to get together and put down people who aren't like them. They love to find faults in those who are different from them. You know, they, they come and they, they're simply trying to describe the Pharisees showed up. They're simply trying to find fault with Jesus and his followers. They're not there for any other reason. They love their tradition. We talked a lot about that last week. And they love to lecture everybody, including, we've seen this passage, the Son of God. They're trying to tell you what he's doing wrong. I found that, found that very amusing. And then we get into the second part, which began last week. So I want you to turn to Mark 7, verse 6. Let's just read a little bit. We're going to notice how Jesus confronts these hypocrites. He's talking about that being them wearing a mask and their pretense, something they really didn't possess their self-righteousness, not true righteousness. And how Jesus confronted them, we got this last week, talking to them in verse 6 and 7 about their meaningless worship. And we're kind of finishing up in the second verse where it says, substituting tradition for God's word. You'll drop down to verse 8. When laying aside the commandment of God, chapter 7, verse 8, you hold the tradition of men. Washing the pictures and cups and, and many other such things you do. It wasn't just about the washing, it was all kinds of things. Talked about that last week. When Jesus said to them, verse 9, all too well you reject the commandment of God. You reject it. That you may keep your tradition. So they reject what God says you should do in preference to their tradition. Verse 10. Moses said, and this is kind of where I'm going to pick up today, 
being Father's Day in particular. Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And he who curses father or mother, let him in death. But you say, in contradiction to Moses, if a man says to his father or mother, it's whatever you want, whatever you want, whatever you want, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother. And, and no, please note, what they're doing is something in tradition for God's word. That's what we're looking at. But note this. They take the command of God given to Moses, the law, which was supreme to them. The law was everything to the Jews. Particularly scribes and Pharisees. They elevated it to everything except what they had done was take their tradition. Talk more about that in a moment. Talked a lot about it last week. And they elevated it to more importance than God's word. And so Moses said this, but what Moses really meant, and what we really want to do with what Moses had to say, is the following. He said, not so much take care of your father and mother, but use whatever gift might be given to take care of them, call it, name it, a gift from God, and then you can use it whatever you want to, and you don't have to worry about taking care of your parents. And that flew in the, the exact opposite, the exact opposite of what God told Moses to tell them to do. It was to respect your parents, honor them. Matter of fact, you read the New Testament, really you read the whole Bible, the only commandment given to children in the Bible is what? Obey your parents. Obey your parents to the Lord. Honor your parents. Take care of them as they take care of you. And I'm writing a epistle that to give to my children. <laughs> take care of your parents. Honor them. Respect them. Obey them. Now the assumption is that your parents are God. You see that in the New Testament. Honor your parents in the Lord. But this is right. And he has some specific commandments to parents. About how to treat your children. Here's the point for today. But the Pharisees did that. They didn't care about honoring the people. They didn't care about doing what God wanted. What they cared about was their own tradition, which profited them and their own self righteousness. Now, verse 13. So, what you're doing, Jesus continues, is making the word of God of no effect through what? Your tradition, which you have handed down, and Many such things you do. Not just the washings, not just the, the Corbin, taking something and calling it a gift from God. There's a bunch of things you do. In the, in the process of doing this, the illustration Jesus is giving to them, in the process of taking your tradition and elevating it to a higher import than the Word of God itself, not only are you wrong, talked about that last week, not only are you wrong in doing that, you're hurting people by so doing. Specifically, the, the people you should be honoring the most in your in your earthly life, your parents, they're suffering because of your tradition. And it wasn't just this is just one. And then he says, many other such things you do. You take as a hypocrite what God had told you to do, and you simply do with it what you want to. In other words, you make God's word useless. Too much. Through your tradition, and because you've got so many of many such things you do. I'm going to read you a quote from a historical 
But about that time, Jesus is teaching. Said this. Rabbi Eliezer wrote the following. He who expounds the scriptures, and that would be the Old Testament law of the prophets, he who expounds the scriptures in opposition to the tradition has no share in the world to come. End quote. You hear what he just said? Say it again, read it again. He who expounds the scriptures in opposition to the tradition of the Mishnah has no share in the world to come. He said, if, if you take the scriptures and you're contradicting our tradition, you're not going to have That's what he said. That our tradition is that significant. In the Mishnah, this is written, quote, it's a greater offense to teach anything contrary to the voices of the rabbis, the voices of the rabbis, than to contradict scripture itself. It's a greater offense to contradict the rabbis than it is to contradict scripture. That's, again, antithetical to them, cries in the face of. Everything is part of the Word of God, everything Jesus taught. Do you understand now why Jesus was always so angry, righteously angry, angry with these men? Because they were taking the most significant thing they had, the Word of God, and just pushing it down, pushing it down, and elevating their tradition. Everything was just simply about their religion, their hypocrisy, and their legalism. So notice the down, downward spiral. We're not going to read all the verses again. We're just going to lay it out for you so you see as we move into Jesus' answer. Number one, they would teach their own doctrine, man's doctrine, not God's, their own teachings they would come up with as God's Word. They said, This thus saith the Lord. Then they would lay aside God's word. The next thing that would happen is they would simply reject God's word. And then they, and ultimately they just simply robbing God's word of its power because they weren't using it. In their culture, their economy, tradition trumps spirit. In God's economy, what always trumps everything? Truth. God's word. If we, a church, any organization that claims to be a follower of the one true God, Jesus Christ, the Son, Savior, and believes the Bible to be God's Word, if we have a tradition or a ritual that contradicts Scripture, or it becomes more important than what Scripture has to say, then it's wrong. It's not of truth. And we need to understand that. Second Timothy chapter 3, Paul wrote these words. All Scripture, he was talking about when he wrote that in the Old Testament, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete or mature, thoroughly equipped for every good work. How do I become equipped as a believer to do what God wants me to do? It's not through tradition, it's through what? Scripture. That's where I go to learn my doctrine or my teachings about God. That's where I learn to be corrected, torn out of my life, what's wrong. That's where I get my instruction in righteousness. Now, as I told you last week, there's nothing wrong with tradition itself per se. When it is trumped by scripture, when it honors God, if it's a certain, certain tradition that I want to follow as a believer, and I'm not elevating that to more importance than scripture, it doesn't come from That's fine. But when you say you have to do it, Be saved. No. You have to add this. No. 
If you want to do those things, that you want to grow. But don't make that part of being righteous. Righteousness simply comes faith alone in Christ alone. My sin is dealt with, dealt with the Calvary. By faith and repentance, I trust Jesus Christ. I'm born again. It's not what I do. Now, the things I do afterwards as a believer, that's fine. But don't elevate those and say, you have to do this. You have to look this way. You have to give like what they did. Jesus taught the way they gave, the way they prayed in public, all of those things. No. Now, drop down to verse 14, and let's look at Jesus' cure for hypocrisy. What's he say? Remember the context. The Jews had just called out Jesus and his disciples for violating the, quote, elders' tradition. And Jesus had called them out for their hypocrisy, their meaningless worship, and their trumping God's word with their tradition. Now, verse 15. Jesus calls all the multitude to himself, a huge crowd. And he said to them, Hear me, everyone, and understand. He calls all the multitude to himself. Remember in the context. He wants all of them to hear what he's about to say. To answer the scribes, the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. To lay it out clearly. William Barclay went this years ago talking about what we're about to read. He calls it the most revolutionary passage in the entire New Testament. Look at verse 14. He called all the multitude to himself again and said to them, Hear me, everyone. And understand. And in Greek, that's a command. It's not the mind listening. He's saying, Hear me. Pay attention to what I have to say. Listen and learn. What I'm about to tell you is incredibly important. Pay attention. Now look at his declaration. Declaration, verse 15. There is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. Again, verse 16, anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. What he's, what he's saying is, what I'm telling you is radical, it's shocking, because these Jews, all they knew was the hypocrisy and the legalism, the self-righteousness of the scribes, the Pharisees, and their rabbis. It's all they've ever known. It's all their parents knew. It's all their grandparents knew. Now the Messiah, when they heard about all their lives, the Messiah comes on the scene, they think he's simply going to overthrow Rome, set up the kingdom, make them all profitable and have a great life on earth, the kingdom of God. And Jesus comes in and radically changes all of that, starting with the Sermon on the Mount. And he gives them the principles of the kingdom, and they're all spiritual, not physical. Blessed are the poor in spirit, not blessed are those who overthrow Rome. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, not blessed are those who have all they want. They were all spiritual principles about righteousness, holiness. He said, these are the principles of the kingdom. So what Jesus is about to say, and we just read at the beginning of it, he repeats it several times, this principle, that you're not defiled by not washing your hands in the way. You're not defiled by eating wrong foods. You're defiled by not being what you should be on the inside. Your heart not being right. Talked about last week. The Pharisees were all focused on clean hands. What was Jesus focused on? Clean heart. A clean heart. You wash your hands and they are, you go in and do surgery. You got them so clean. Your heart can still be vile. What God intended to the end is a clean heart. You can have a, a heart before God that's clean because you're righteous, you're declared righteous, you're 
you're in Christ, you're born again. Your hands could be dirty. Now you need to daily washing when you deal with those things. What, what Jesus wanted them to understand is it's not all about this outward stuff. The way you wash your hands and the food you eat it, how many feet you walk from your house and Sabbath, get all that. It's unclean on the inside. Verse 15. There is nothing that enters a man from the outside which can defile him. That word means to corrupt, pollute, or make unclean. The word is used five times in this passage. It must be pretty important for Jesus. Verse 15 is Jesus' answer to the Pharisees' question in verse 5. So look back at verse 5 for a moment. The Pharisees and the scribes asked Jesus, Why do the disciples not walk? Or live according to the tradition of the elders, but they eat bread with unwashed hands. We've seen everything that's gone on. Now, this is Jesus' answer to that question. The reason they eat bread with unwashed hands is verse 15, but that's not defining them. You don't get it. They ask the question. Now, look at verse 15 again. Jesus says, Nothing. In the original language, the word nothing there means nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Please write that down. It's deep. <laughs> it literally means, facetious aside, it literally means there's not one thing. Nothing. There's not one thing that can defile you from the outside if you don't decide in your heart to let it defile you. Now, obviously, you can do things that are wrong, but you might have to do. They did. I'm saying that's not what's defining what's defining you. That's simply a result of being wrong inside. For example, if you commit adultery, yes, that's wrong. Well, why did you commit adultery in the first place? Because you wanted to. You, like, like the Pharisees, one of the high points of the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus says these words, you have heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. The Pharisees all I've heard of that. We're against that. He said, but I, Jesus being continued, but I say to you, if you thought about it, you're guilty. They all went. What? What man on planet Earth is not talking about it? You know what the answer is? Nothing. No one. They acted like they were pure. You know it. Jesus went on to elevate everything. He raised the bar so high so they could understand the following. That bar is so high, I can never reach it. Because in their mind, Paul writes about in Philippians, in their minds, they were righteous. Because they kept their tradition and their view of the law. They kept their rules. But their hearts were dirty. You know how Jesus described them in Matthew 23? You look really good on the outside. White, pure. On the outside, you look like a whitewashed tomb. But on the inside, you're dead. Dead. They didn't see it. They didn't get it. That's what he's trying to get them to understand. His biggest problem with them. Besides them choosing that, is that they were leaving all the sheep struck. They were all following them. He said it, Jesus said, You're going to hell and you're taking sheep with you. He's not happy. So he says to them here, nothing can. And the word can means is not capable, capable in any way. And then he says, things, plural. There are no things. There's not one thing. Can defile you, make you unholy. It's all through your own inside. And by the way, it says many things, 
any such thing you do. All whatever you want. The defilement comes from within. How many of us are born sinners? We're born sinners right here. We've got a few people here that are God. <laughs> No, sir, every single way they want is like Brother John Grant and Israel this week and uh, our president said the way they want a couple weeks ago. I've been there. It's, it's very sad. It's incredible to go. Don't misunderstand. It's incredible to go to Israel and see Jesus stood right here. That's one of the laws from there. The Western wall from there from the temple. The time when Jesus was there. That wall's still there. You know what's so incredibly sad about it? You go there and uh, you can walk the wall. And they just put a little number up your man in a little number for you and you're allowed to go up. And then you do a lot of some of the rhythm. Just go. What you see is people, you've probably seen video if you haven't been there. But they write notes and they and they log them up and as small as they can and they put them in the crevices in the wall, thinking what? God's really gonna get this. He's gonna get this. This one's the life of God. Isn't that sad? Listen, where is your heart? Is he at the way they want? Yep. Is he in this nasty place that used to be? Used to be nasty place, beautiful place. Go butcher shop. By the way, if you want food from 1973, we got some left. <laughs> <laughs> is he right here? Yep. He was in Bartlett this morning. When I was there at 9:30 this morning, he was in there. He's everywhere. He's on. Jesus said, those who worship him must worship him have spirit and a what? Truth. Spirit and then you need a one. All about this one. It killed Jesus. The fire comes. Pharisees said, you just stay away from things, you'll never be defiled. Jesus said, you're already defiled. Now, let's look at his explanation. Verse 17. And he entered a house and went to the crowd, and he was alone with his disciples. He asked them concerning the parable. We've just been talking about it. He said to them, Are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him? Because he does not enter his heart, but his stomach, and is eliminated, thus purifying all food. <laughs> now he's going to personalize the explanation for his disciples. He said, If nobody else in the crowd gets it, I want you. Twelve together. I was a Jewish one. So I want you guys to get it because you're important to me. And he says in verse 18, are you also without understanding like all the others? I'm going to restate the principle for you. Remember, these guys, these 11 guys, 12 guys, these 11, they're also Jews, right? What do they always know? The violence on the outside, the legalism, they're, they're still learning. This is all radical for them. Well, Jesus gives them an illustration. And I love the Bible. I love the truth of it. I love Jesus. Look at verse 19. You don't get a chuckle on this. You ain't paying attention. He gives them an anatomy lesson. They're telling you you can be purified by stuff on the outside. I'm telling you, here's what happens to food. You eat it. It goes in your stomach. And you do what with it? You go to the bathroom and get rid of it. The word is actually in English. We get our word bowels from it. He says, you eat the food. It goes in your stomach, and guess what? You have a bowel movement, and it's gone. It has nothing to do with purifying you. In 
that one statement, Jesus had just changed all the Jewish dietary laws for them. This was a big deal. That's why when we talked about earlier in Mark, eating on the Sabbath, something is something. I came to fulfill the law. I don't need to worry about all that. Where's your heart? First Timothy chapter 4, Paul wrote this. Every creature of God is good. Nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified or set apart unto God by the word of God and prayer. The word of God and prayer. That's what makes it okay. Doesn't matter how food it is. Give me a quick example. Now Peter, right here. When Jesus makes this statement, is Peter there? Yes or no? Yes, he's there. Peter is right here. He still struggled with this. Acts chapter 10. You don't have to turn there. In Acts chapter 10, here's the story. Now, this is Peter later on. The next day, as they went on their journey and they drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray. That was six hour. He became very hungry and he wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and he saw heaven open and an object like a great sheep bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of, all of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill, and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And I will add in parentheses, because I am a good Jew. That's why. I've never eaten anything clean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call, um, call common. This was done three times. And the object was taken up into heaven again. Why three times, do you think? Peter was calling Reinforcement of what he did.
You could be defiled. I'll put you on the inside. That's when worship comes to get Surrendering the person of God. The bottom of your hand out and then we're done. And Jesus is trying to get them to understand. Man's condition is about outward appearance. Rules. It keeps you in bondage to the rules. And it neglects God's word. But truth, God's word, is about inward holiness. Principles that God teaches. Freedom set, you're set free to live righteously, not live according to somebody's rules, to live righteously. And it always exalts the Word of God. Always. If you bow your heads, please, we're going to close out today by sharing the Lord's Supper together. Bow your heads for a moment. As we do that, Here's what I simply want you to do. Think about your Lord Jesus. Because the sacrifice you made of his blood and his body makes it possible for you to be right. Not what you do, not how religious you are, simply his death and his resurrection. He gave his life that we might be set free to be holy. It's not about religion. About being righteous, of Jesus set you free. Lord, we commit this time to give you. Thank you for Jesus and His blood that we celebrate here together. Cleanses us from all sin. Power, penalty, Lord, ultimately the presence of sin. Only because of His blood. Thank you for His body and His death that makes it possible for us to be. Set free and not to be afraid of our own death. His resurrection, the ultimate moment of history, the cause of that resurrection, we can live with and live with you forever. But when we think about holiness versus hypocrisy, we want to be free of no less, simply living out the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. We celebrate today in Jesus' name.